Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on TheBigScreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. It's another round of Rick and Nick Talk Flicks, and we're glad to be here once again. It's Joel Hoover. And Dave Brooks. Once again, filling in for Rick and Nick. Did you hear where they are currently on their latest globetrotting adventure, Dave? Apparently, since we're going to be doing our first ever spooky movie night here in about a week's time, they are working on their costume, and they're fighting over who's going to be the back end of the unicorn. Oh, no. And it did not end well. The back end of the unicorn. There's Why a, did they go with the unicorn? There's a there's a joke in there somewhere, I'm pretty sure. I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> wow. Back end of the unicorn. I would not want to be that part of it. Isn't there there's like a commercial out that's about something along those lines of like somebody having to be on the back end of a horse or something and at this party for a kid or something. If you're in know. the costume, yeah, that would be hard. It would be very difficult. And so, traumatizing for the kids if the back end decides to separate from the front end. I mean, how could you uncover from recover from something like that, watching half a horse run one way and the other run the other? I'd feel bad, pretty bad for the kids, especially. Because I don't remember that scene in Seabiscuit. A little traumatic. Oh, gosh. <laughs> We'll, uh, yeah, we'll put that on the back burner. So we're glad to be here with you today. Uh, we're getting into a bit of an interesting topic. It's, it's sort of a meta topic a little bit today, but it's something that I think is speaking to a larger issue in the movie world that Dave and I have kind of been building toward with a few of the different discussions that we've had here over the past several Rick and Nick episodes, even from the beginning. We're, we're sort of building toward this one giant topic, and we're putting pieces of the puzzle together toward that topic, and today is another piece of that puzzle, perhaps, while it's also its own separate talking entity today. So we're looking forward to discussing that with you as well. Anything really? Let's call the... it quite a tease. You, oh, didn't, you didn't even say yeah. the topic. You just teased it good. Yeah, I, I, I've learned a thing or two about how to tease a, a topic of discussion. But, but first, Dave, is there anything really in the news lately or in the movie news that that has kind of caught your eye or is kind of worth checking out? I mean, I know we we discussed Harvey Weinstein a little bit off the top of our last show, and it continues to be a huge topic in the Hollywood world. Um, both with the allegations that continue to come out, the fallout at the Weinstein Company, and how this this issue continues to be one that, that is permeated through not just Hollywood, but really all over society in general of just uh, sexual aggression and whatnot. So anything else notable in the news or anything you wanted to add on to that? Uh, I just this morning was reading something that kind of tied into the Weinstein thing. Another uh, producer-director guy, I just read it this morning. I couldn't, I never heard his name before. I don't even remember his name now because I'm just thinking about it off the top of my head. Who's been involved in stuff, but his name is coming out big time. About 30 women have come forward to point him out. Even Jamie Gunn, who directed the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, uh, on behest of a couple of his female friends that have been you know, harassed by this guy, came forward to speak out against him too. So it's 
it's just Weinstein is the tip of this iceberg, and maybe he's the biggest part of this thing as far as name and right. maybe the scope. But I mean, it's it permeates everywhere, and it's it's a real sad, unfortunate. Uh, underbelly part of just work, whether it's Hollywood or anything else. I'm sure even in our business, it exists in places. That casting couch is not a new concept, and that's unfortunate. The other thing that's resulted from this is the people who are kind of being put on trial a little bit who've ever been associated with Harvey Weinstein. For for better or for worse, people have been called out for for even being associated with him in in some way shape or form or the things they've said about him in the past Meryl Streep for instance who who has said some pretty glowing things about him in the past and and everyone's releasing these statements and everything and it's what did you know or not know and it's there's been there's been a lot of fallout regarding that and some of it has been some of it's been maybe reasonable, but some of it has been almost like a witch hunt in some ways. Some of it would be like the the. I mean, this is a bad analogy, but it's the closest I can come up with. Would be finding out your next door neighbor is a serial killer. You know, you didn't know that. You know, just all of a sudden one day the police are next door. What's going on? What? What? You know, there's that angle, and then there are those like say uh, Quentin Tarantino, for example, who's done a lot of stuff for the Weinstein's and come forward after all this has come out. Saying, yeah, I'm not surprised that this happened. I knew about this for a long time to some degree. Well, or why rumblings. Did, yeah, then why rumblings. didn't you? Rumblings are one thing, but another thing is where if you're sitting at the dinner table and he's just being an ass to the waitress, hey, dude, could you be a little nicer to the waitress? I mean, come on, there's there's a, there's a line there. So and so if you're a, if you're a Harvey Weinstein supporter and you knew what was going on and didn't you know, hey, just back off a step or two, wouldn't you? Right. That's. I think where the line would be drawn. So you're enabling something that's pretty darn bad. It's like giving keys to a drunk driver saying, go for a spin. So It's already had quite a ripple effect both within the Hollywood and outside of Hollywood in general. So and good. It's, it's interesting to see how this is going to continue to play out. Does it pull other people into this in the end? It's still playing Count out on here it. in the past couple of weeks. Count you know, on it. Yeah. Still playing out here in the past few weeks. Sure, still more to come. Yeah, like but you're you, saying. You know what's interesting is where, and not that we want to make this the topic of the show, we're not. Um, the, how far and deep and long and broad is this going to go? Because you don't think that Weinstein is going to be the only person to get wrapped up into this. Weinstein, when he's all done, he's. I'm not going to say he's never going to make a movie again. I think he'll make an attempt, and nobody will go to see it as a boycott. Um, but I think his career, as it has been, is done. I, it's just over. Everybody, his own brother, disavowing this guy mm-hmm. as if this was a long time coming. Oh, good. Push him down the stairs even more. Is this going to start a new chain of consciousness? Because if you can topple Harvey Weinstein, who would be on par, even though he's not a director, with names like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and Scorsese, I mean, his name is up there. He's among the bigs. If he can go down like this, do you think anybody else is going to start watching their act, and not just in Hollywood, but everywhere else, that this is finally the Me Too movement that has come out from this. Yeah. Which, and I will say this, um, the only thing I can really say as a guy is um, I can't swear on a Bible that I maybe have never been on the wrong end of something like that, never intentionally, but maybe you'll make a joke that gets taken the wrong way. Right. So I can't say for 100% certainty that well, I have never in my life, like, but I never intended to. But as a guy, as a man, and it's just not that say that you can't be a guy and be harassed. I've heard of people that have been. I personally haven't, and if I have, it never registered with me. But hearing some of the tales 
Uh, a friend of mine that I've known for a long time, she put up a thing on Facebook kind of detailing all the things, as she was a waitress, all the things that customers have done to her. And a lot of it, I was like, you got to be kidding. This is what? It it rattled me. So to say that I can't be. It's a very sad reality. Yeah. yeah. And uh, being affected by this as a guy, maybe that's where it starts. Realizing that your friends and potentially your, you know, my wife before she was my wife has been harassed. Um, if I had a daughter, could she grow up into an environment like this? My friends, my coworkers, you know, this is pretty widespread. And to realize the pain that's out there. If the if the the very least we can become more aware of this, mm-hmm. that's a positive. If that's the if that's the worst, if that's the best that we can do, the smallest step, it's something. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. So we'll see if it can continue to permeate that direction based off of all of this and off of all the discussion as well. It would it would certainly be nice. It's it's an individual choice first and foremost, and it's it's up to individuals to make that choice and to to make the choice for the better, especially for the care of others certainly if nothing else think of this one guideline don't be a twit just don't don't act like a twit treat people like you want to be treated and it's golden it's a good place to start yeah very good it's it's golden yeah golden. good piece adding that in there all right so let's something before, more positive yeah let's go into before we get into our main topic the box office is pretty quiet right now, Dave. It's it's been a quiet couple of weeks uh, with what's currently out and, and what's come along here as of late. But we are starting to build towards some of those biggies that we've got coming up here in the next the next few weeks. Um, Thor Ragnarok is right around the corner. It's November third is when that's going to be coming out. That is getting terrific reviews. It's a whole new direction in terms of the Thor movies and in terms of continuing the fun spin and angle of some of the most recent Marvel movies. And it's, this is going disco buddy cop type of dealio here that, that they're going with this one. Well, you've got, you know, coming up, they're working on the Avengers infinity war and that's coming around the pike here before long. And it's a part one, part two kind of thing. And it's, you get the idea that it's going to be heavy. Maybe a lot of those actors are coming up to the end of their contracts. So what do you do? Do you maybe kill them off? That's the big question. It could be heavy. It could be heavy. It could be dark. So why not lead into that with the opposite? So Thor is starting to be booked as sort of a, a comedy road movie between two buddies with, you know, Thor and the Hulk and a couple other guys thrown in for good measure. So it's a fun, upbeat, movie you get loki thrown into it and this helps to you know lighten the tension before we get into the heavy and loki is helping apparently yeah Yeah, that's what it looks like so it's getting great reviews it looks like it'll be worth your money especially if you or the kids are into the the marvel avengers go see it sounded like it's doing pretty good yes that's the big one that is around the corner here in the near future just keeping an eye out on what is coming up would be a good opportunity to go to the Bemidji Theater, and they are our sponsor for Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. So we appreciate having the Bemidji Theater on board with us. That would be a great place to go to check out Thor Ragnarok or whatever you have on your particular movie slate here in the next couple of weeks. I totally nerded out. A friend and I went and saw Happy Death Day, which I would recommend, by the way. It was more of a romantic comedy than a horror movie, but it's like Groundhog Day meets Scream <laughs> meets uh, 21 First Dates or whatever. It's It was a fun movie. Uh, and sitting right there by the snack bar was this little placard for Rick and Nick talk flicks. I was like, yes. oh, oh, that, that's, that's not, that's not me. I'm a stunt double. You had the moment that I had when I went in there and saw that going to see Dunkirk. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, okay. What a great staff there. They do oh, a fantastic job. Terrific. Missy whips them into shape and does good. Yeah, so we appreciate them a lot, and we appreciate that they show so much love to Rick and Nick, especially, yeah. too. So, Dave, let's get into the topic. I teased it enough off the top of the show. The topic today is the... Dogs in film. Right. When will dogs this, in When film. will this menace stop? <laughs> and squirrels. Let's talk about squirrels we in film. We haven't seen Air Bud in, like, a while, so I think we're okay as far as dogs in film. So. Wait, wait, no, I'm looking at the wrong sheet of paper. You had something else oh, you wanted to talk yes. about today. Yeah, so anyway, we're building toward a, a larger topic piece, and, and, and this has a piece of that puzzle, but it also is its own kind of discussion separate from... That larger issue. And the the topic today is movie time lengths. So running time of films. The long and short of it. And does it feel to you, Dave, let me ask you a question. Actually, off the start, what is the longest movie that you have ever seen? Mm, I know that. I'll put it this way. It's probably Lord of the Rings. And I got, I talked myself out of going to DVD night. Someone had the extended director's cut edition of oh, Lord of the man. Rings. And yep. no, that's, that's a, that's a lifetime. There's some insects that don't live long enough to have seen the beginning and all the way to the end of the director's cut of Lord of the Rings. My bladder ain't going to take that either, let alone in the theater. Um, I, no, that's, I, I said, uh, guys, that sounds awesome. I'm out. I just, no, I'm out. I will see the shorter version. And I, as much as I like those movies, I'm not such a huge fan of them. If you talk about a different trilogy, it's a whole other story. But uh, that's probably the longest that I can think of. That's a darn near three-hour movie. King Kong, the Peter Jackson version, tying into Lord of the Rings, another three-hour movie. That's pretty darn long. Right. I'm still – I'm trying to determine what's the longest one for me because it depends on movies that have intermission – or the intro music, outro music, and it's it's the same with with Lord of the Rings with Return of the King. Because Google it. What's the what is the longest movie runtime of all time? Even if it includes oh, director's editions, I, I think I don't know off the top of my. I would think it might be Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, but that's off the top of my head. But there's probably something from the '60s. Well, the extended for Return of the King is 251 minutes, which is right up there among some of the longest. Although. There are other movies in the past. I mean, I've I've heard of movies that are like five, six hours if you put put it all together. It's two hundred one theatrical for the Return of the King, two hundred one minutes. For me, I think Lawrence of Arabia is right up there in that category, and Gone with the Wind. Depending on you know if you add the intro music, outro music, intermission, all of that, the true form full length or the non true form full length, uh, different things like that end up factoring into it. So those are. Any one of those three movies, depending on how you look at it or slice it, is probably what it what would amount to being the longest one for me. Okay. So that's where I stand on it. But do you look at movies today, Dave, and think they're getting longer? Does that thought occur to you these days? Because it's a thought that has occurred to a lot of people. Yes Does it and occur no. to you? Yes and no. Um, just, I just read something the other day, yesterday or the day before that the new justice league movie that's coming out, they just got the official runtime cause they're working. They just finished up the edit. So it's somewhere right around two hours long, which really? just to, just almost exactly two hours long, just above or just below. I forget the number. Um, but it's about a hundred and you know, 20 minutes. Really? That's so it's interesting, which for a movie like this, where everyone's coming together and you've had some of the backstory, you know, Batman. We had Wonder Woman rule the summer. Um, we haven't really seen much from Aquaman, and The Flash has his TV series, and 
Um, but we, this isn't about the origin. This is about moving forward into the adventure. And you know Superman will show up, so there will be, you know, he's going to be resurrected, obviously. By the way, we probably should have mentioned at the beginning of the show, like we usually do, spoilers within, perhaps. So there you go. Um, but that sounds like a great idea. It's going to be fast and breezy. Um, try to get in there, get it done, say what you need to say, and be done with it. And that's a fun ride rather yeah. than something to be endured. You know, um, but this is not a newer thing. Sometimes directors just cannot control their editing. You know, and I will call out one guy in particular. And as much as I love his movies, the man needs to learn to edit. Judd Apatow. Every movie he has is it's long, 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 long. And comedies benefit from pacing. And so if you go rent, say, a 40-year-old virgin, great movie, by the way. I love the theatrical version. Uh, when I bought the DVD, you have the director's cut, which adds something like 15 minutes to it. The movie wasn't as funny with the director's edition because some of what makes it work is the pacing. Just based on 15 minutes alone? Believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't that there was some completely outrageous scene too risque for theaters. No, it was just the pacing, stuff he cut out for pacing. And it makes a difference. So I will probably never watch the director's edition again because it's less entertaining. The movie itself is great, but there's no reason that that movie shouldn't be a 90-minute movie. It's a two, almost two-and-a-half-hour movie. you got to be kidding me. I mean, it just it's get it over with. And Judd Apatow's got other movies like that. And as talented as he is and as funny as his movies are, and I love Judd Apatow, the man needs to edit things down. He just does. Why not do like Anchorman, where they released so much other stuff, they made a second movie about it with all the stuff they didn't use. Do that. You know, right. cut stuff out and then release the trimmings. It'll make a great DVD set, assuming DVDs stick around long enough. Well, the good news is it sounds like he has learned to trim it down when it gets to theater, even if there is a lot of excess then that, that could be attached on to a director's cut. Yeah. yeah. At least he learned to, that he needs to trim it down before it gets to theaters. You know, it's interesting. When I was thinking background on a topic like this, and I was looking into it a little bit more, what I was reading, it, it made sense how th- how this this topic of runtime has changed over the course of the history of film. In the early days like of of mainstream film, like 1930s, 40s, 50s, you had the studios that would mainly control these films, and they also controlled runtime. You see runtimes, uh, like if you're watching a movie on TCM, it's 100 minutes, 110 minutes, maybe two hours at the max for a lot of movies from the 30s, 40s, 50s. You know, you, you take a look, and it's it's pretty consistent for the most part, with runtime. There are some exceptions, but, you know, some of the, those movies, it's it's an hour 40 minutes to an hour 50 minutes, and that, and that it's a pretty trim, concise movie time, and you know about what you're going to get. Google Wizard of Oz. What's the Wizard of Oz runtime? Wizard of Oz. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. That seems like that's a two-and-a-half-hour movie, maybe. What is it? That might be one of those exceptions. It's not. It's 101 minutes. Oh, wow. That's it? That's that's an hour and 41 minutes. Isn't that amazing? Uh, like, Gone with the Wind was the first really big exception to that rule. Like, And, and especially with Keep the, your Google fingers going. How long was Laura, Laura, uh, Gone with the Wind? How long was this movie? Well, Because this is back when they used to put intermissions in the middle of movies. So you correct. Could, so you could go run pee. And they would do those roadshow type of showings on limited releases, and then they would kind of release it differently when it comes to seeing mainstream in theaters. 
Running time was 221 minutes, Ooh. but it was 234 to 238 minutes with the overture, intermission, interact, and exit music. Oh, well, that's still a pretty darn long movie. Oh, yeah. They should have put an intermission big, in Return of the King. It was a huge exception. Yeah. So there clearly there are, and you get a lot of those epic ones, too. I mean, what's, what's Ben-Hur? I mean, that's a long movie. Well, There's an intermission in that. Yeah, one difference is Gone with the Wind was in 1939 yeah. that that came out. So that was that was very different for that time and for that time in film with the length of it. But then as things started to get along into the 50s and 60s, that's where the timing really started to change on movies, especially those epic movies like Ben-Hur. Then the runtime started getting stretched out with a movie like that. 212 minutes for Ben-Hur. Another one that comes to mind that's a long one, The Ten Commandments. Yeah. When when it comes on around Easter time and I want to watch it on uh, and I would want to watch it on TV back home, my parents would always go, "No, that's such a long movie because then you There's factor the day. The, you factor the commercials in, but then I'm like, "Mom, dad, it only comes on once a year on TV, so let's enjoy it while it's on TV." Don't we have a thing called DVD? Can't you watch it on a disc whenever, whenever if we've gone to right. bed? What's the sound of but music? But there's there's something about watching it on TV at that time of year, like the one time of year ABC shows the sound of music. I remember when I was younger, we had the sound of music on VHS, and it came in a two tape box because it was that long. And a box, a disc, or not a disc, a VHS cassette. What's look up the runtime while I talk about this? It's something like two hours. Of which one? Sound of music. And it, uh, two hours on a on a tape before you run out, and you got to go to the next tape. What was the runtime for Sound of Music? It had an intermission. A hundred seventy four minutes. That's it. I would thought it was longer than that. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, those are some. But you know, the nice thing about what makes those excusable is that worth is where I'll pull out Judd Apatow again. I can think of all kinds of subplots in his movies that just they're interesting. No, no, nothing against them, but they just bite into the runtime in a right. huge way. Um, they don't need to be there. You can cut that stuff out and just focus on the fact that now they're you know knocked up. They're having a baby and didn't plan on it. That's the thing. Who cares about the subplot of the in-laws? Doesn't matter. Let's just get the story over with. Right. But if you're sitting there watching a movie like, say, The Dark Knight, which is not a short movie either. It's something like two and a half hours, something like that. But I can't think of one thing in that movie that I would remove for the sake of time or pacing that wouldn't hurt that movie. And even two and a half hours, it feels like 90 minutes because it's interesting and you're involved. And before you know it, the movie's over. You're like, well, that's that, wow, that was good. That's really at the crux of this issue, Dave. And I'm glad that, that you brought that up because – even when you look at the history of, of longer movies, you know, you get into the, into the late 50s, then into the 1960s, and then a little bit into the 70s, then after that. Those epic films, those epics, or even a, a, a large musical like The Sound of Music, it, it was a longer movie, or sometimes considerably longer movie, but it's a lot of story. And a lot of development that, that you're going to have that helps make that what it is. Sometimes it works great, The Sound of Music, Lawrence of Arabia. Sometimes it makes you go, oh gosh, this is extremely long and maybe a little bit too long, like Cleopatra, for instance. So it, it kind of, over time it changed to where the epics would go to that length. And especially if you were at that length, that was kind of what the epics needed to do to take their shot at the Oscars. A lot of people ha have kind of supposed that that was, 
that was their chance to to take an effort at the Oscars. In fact, here's what Rolling Stone film critic Peter Travers told the Daily Beast one time when talking about Oscar season as as a reason why movie length has changed. Here's what he said, quote, Hollywood studios believe movies are weighed by the pound when it comes to Academy thinking. If it ain't long, it ain't winning. Stupid, I know, since... Here's a couple of recent exceptions. The Artist and The King's Speech weren't long. But ever since Gone with the Wind and Ben-Hur and Lawrence of Arabia, continuing through Titanic, Braveheart, Gladiator, and Lord of the Rings, they think Oscars will not take any epic seriously if it's under two hours. And you look at some of those movies that we mentioned from the 50s and 60s. They kind of went that route. The problem that then kind of happened was those kind of runtimes started to seep into all epic movies or all action movies, or even other movies in general, like even comedies, started to stretch out ever so slightly longer and longer, just so they can fill more and more in there, or so they would think. But then what you get is an overbloated product that maybe doesn't necessarily have a coherent direction and have a coherent story put to it. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head. It's this is, if you're looking at a runtime that's over, yeah, we'll give you a grace period. If it's within 15 minutes of two hours, you're you're still fine. Most movies are 90 minutes to two hours, or at least that used to be the way. Um, if you're 215 or over, is it the question? Is it epic or is it bloated? You know, you've got movies like Dark Knight, which is fantastic. It is not a bloated movie at all. Right. You got Titanic. That's pushing three hours. I can't honestly think of something that I would remove from that movie because it is so intricately woven, whether you're talking about the history on the boat in the past or the expedition in the present where they're looking for the jewel. All of it's important, and there were some scenes that were cut. There was an alternate ending that was there that was cut. But uh, there was uh, it, it was just a really, really interesting part where um, it worked. It just It just worked, and I wouldn't think to change anything about it. Um, but for example, I'm a Star Trek fan. Love Star Trek, big time. The first movie they did, the motion picture, came out in 1979. Bloated. It was one of the last movies to have an overture, which is the music played for a few minutes before the movie. Uh, they, it was one of the last to do that, I think. And they may have even had an intermission in it in the theater. I don't. I don't know. Um, but it's even as much as I love Star Trek, I have to psych myself up to watch that movie because it's long and there's long periods where nothing's happening. Right. It's just kind of. Oh, it's been five years. Let's watch it. You know, it's that kind of a thing. You know, it's just it doesn't move, and that's the thing. If you then you can get a movie that's just as long, but there's a whole lot happening, and it's a good tight narrative, and it's fun. And the problem is because you can just look at the history of these things. We'll take the Dark Knight and Star Trek: The Motion Picture for example. They're both probably similar runtimes, close enough anyway. Dark Knight was so well put. You're going to look it up. The runtimes, okay. Uh, the, the how much was in the Dark Knight? There's not one thing I could think of to take out. There was so much going on and the plan going into the movie. If you know Christopher Nolan, he's so intricate and nothing doesn't happen for no reason. You know, everything is there for a reason. When they did Star Trek, the motion picture, Robert Wise, who's a very well-known Hollywood director, did West Side Story, did Sound of Music, did uh, Star Trek, the motion picture. The script was unfinished. And they were just trying to fill time, and they had actors look at the big view screen as if something amazing is happening. We don't know what it's going to be, but we'll figure that out later. It was more about effects and less about story and substance. The story itself was interesting, 
had they boiled it down to maybe right. an hour and 45 minutes. Well, actually, it's interesting because I believe there was a re-released director's cut that they did, they did. in 2001. Yeah, Den- uh, Robert Wise put together for the um, DVD. a director's cut for the DVD release. Yeah, remastered audio, tightened and added scenes, and new computer-generated effects. And well worth it. It's a superior version. If you were going to watch that version, you still have to psych yourself up, but not so much. It's less of a chore. It's okay. much, much better. Just checking. 20-minute differential between okay. the two. 152 minutes for The Dark Knight, 132 minutes for Star Trek, the motion okay. picture. So not too far off. But that's but there is a difference between between those two. And actually, come to think of it, there are some interesting numbers and figures that are out there in terms of where direction of movie times has gone here in the past few years. I'll get to that in a moment, but first, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. No matter what the length of the movie is, the Bemidji Theater will make sure that you have an enjoyable time going to see whatever that film is that you are showing up to see. Let's try this. Here we go. When you go to Bemidji Theaters, whether you're seeing a true epic or a bloated mess, you'll leave bloated with fun, with the fun and culture and food that you'll intake. Good times at the Bemidji Theaters. Sounds like you're ready to make a cut right there, uh, so, somewhere, ready to cut an ad. Sounded that way, anyway. I just got inspired. What can I say? All right, let's take a look at, at some numbers that have been put together. In 2012, they took a look at the five highest-grossing films from 2012 and compared it to 1992 and then also back to uh, 1982 as well. Here were the numbers. From 2012, The Avengers, top grossing movie that year, 143 minutes. The Dark Knight Rises, 165 minutes. The Hunger Games, 142 minutes, which now that I think about it is like, wow, that's, that is long. Skyfall, 143 minutes. The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 2, 115 minutes. Maybe 115 minutes too long. <laughs> uh, 1992, yeah. five highest grossing films. How about this for a comparison? Aladdin, 90 minutes. Home Alone 2, 120 minutes. Batman Returns, 126. Lethal Weapon 3, 118 minutes. And A Few Good Men, 138 minutes. But then you go back to 1982, the average of the highest grossing films from that year. 118.4 minutes compared to 2012 when it was 141.6 minutes. Need an um, even more recent example? Well, let's take a look at some of the movies from this year that we've got. Transformers, The Last Night, 149 minutes earlier this year. With those, those Transformer movies, by the way, keep those bookmarked because I'll get back to them here in a moment. Um, War for the Planet of the Apes, 140 minutes. Um, even Beauty and the Beast, which has been the best movie of the year in terms of highest grossing, or right up there. Thus far. Uh, 129 minutes, and which the ringer mentioned is 30 minutes longer than the original. So you're already adding more on to what's already there. So And, and plus, they also mentioned that sequels continue to add more and more time on with each one. Um, now, is it is it an Oscars thing? Sometimes. Is it a director's thing? Sometimes. There are, even looking at the 2013 Oscars, going back to the Oscars topic, four of the nine Best Picture nominees, The Ringer mentioned, clocked in at two and a half hours or more. Django Unchained, 165 minutes. Les Miserables, 158. Zero Dark Thirty, 157. And Lincoln, 
150. And then four of the remaining movies, they were two hours and change. It's it's become the thing these days. Bigger in order to try to fit more in. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Batman versus Superman or any Transformers movie, really. Which I'll get to, I'll get back to that here in a moment. But I'll, I'll get a a word in from you here. I think it really boils down to of those movies and the various length times. Some are good and some are not good. Um, things like Zero Dark Thirty. I just saw this the other day again. Um, that is so chock full with interesting information. And we were all, think how effective we were on 9-11. What happened after that? How did we get Bin Laden? It's fascinating. Yep. And, um, and there's a whole other sub story I could get into, but I won't. Um, but it's interesting to know how that all worked out. And it is apparently, if you believe what's been declassified, very accurate for the most part. Uh, maybe a little homogenized for movie sake and a couple people condensed into one and that kind of thing. That's normal. But it was interesting, enough to the point that people were starting to give a congressional investigation how much information that was top secret were they given to make the movie realistic and accurate. Right. Um, so, but there's, is there a problem with the, the, the length of that movie? No, because it needed to be there. Then you get things like Batman, Superman. You know, that movie did not do well. And right. there was so much that should have been done and a lot that probably could have just been taken out. But then you also look at something like Transformers, which I mentioned. That's another one that just... I'm rolling my eyes, by the way. Here are the four installments. Uproxx pointed this out. Great. The worst offender when it comes to not only long, overbloated movies, but also sequels that are long and overbloated is the Transformers franchise, and it's not close. Here Here they are. 143 minutes, 150 minutes, 157 minutes, and 165 minutes. That's insane. Like objectively, they they mention and it's it's true. I mean, it's it's crazy. And then you look at the way sequels kind of build on each other in terms of of timing and in terms of how big that they are, and just get larger and larger and larger. And then it's like you really should have trimmed that down to try to slim it up a little bit here to help yourself because. You're just trying to add too much in, it feels like. Is anyone even asking for more of these movies? I mean, I almost got to, I mean, <laughs> that could draw a real interesting conspiracy theory here. If you ever saw the third Crocodile Dundee movie, which is worth missing, by the way, the whole thing is they're making this slew of people of movies that people don't like because there's something illegal going on in the back in the background. In that case, it was drug trafficking. You almost wonder if they're making movies that, are, that no one wants because they need to pay off the Teamsters or something. Because no one's asking for these movies, and they're getting bigger and more epic as they go. Right. What kid is going to sit through a three-hour movie? It's not going to happen. You're going to be wanting, Dad, I want to go. You wanted to see this movie, Steve. We're gonna, I want to spend my butts now. Now, the why of how this is happening, there, there's one really good good reason why this has happened, and this was pointed out by Bob Burchard um, in the Daily Beast article regarding the length of movies. Here's what Here's what he said. Um, he's the editor of the American Film Institute catalog of feature films. He said, quote, in the old days, exhibitors used to complain, I'll, I'll use that instead of what's here, if the pictures were too long because they couldn't get enough shows in a day. Now if you've got a big picture, you can book it on multiple screens and show it every half hour without worrying how long the picture is, which is is one good reason. But then there are some others um, there are some other reasons. A different explanation, according to Newsweek film critic David Anson, quote, just look at who most of these directors are who go with these long ones. Spielberg, Tarantino, Jackson, Bigelow. Who's going to tell them to cut their movies? 
The only one I haven't seen is The Hobbit, but that's the one I heard the most complaints about the length. Yeah. I like Lincoln a lot, but it has too many endings. Les Mis, for my taste, has too much of everything. I didn't get it on stage, and I don't get it on screen, and I found it to be interminable. He was also – he was talking about Cloud Atlas. That was the year that came out. Yeah, and many people movie. said, huge movie, too long, not good. It kind of had to be long, but it was independently financed. There was no studio to say no to the length. Here's something really interesting, though. These things are cyclical. Back in the 50s, big four-hour extravaganzas with intermissions were common. Giant, the Ten Commandments, around the world in 80 days. Another couple of good examples. And rewarded prizes for their bloat as well. And then it did that into the 60s as well. Then things sort of trimmed down a little bit in the 70s and 80s, depending on the movie. Things started to trim down a little bit. Then things started to get ramped back up again in the 90s with some of the, the longer epics. And now... We're seeing action movies really go through the cycle of getting longer and longer at this time. I think that's really true. There's, it is a cycle type of thing. There was another article in Time in the 1980s about why do movies seem so long? That was, that was the title of it. It does feel cyclical almost. I would equate it to this. It's like, it's like hanging out with a girl you really like. Make your move. Get it in there. Get done. Rather than sit there and kill time and try to build up some courage, you know, and trying to have something you want to say, say it, spit it out, get it over with, make your move, you know, so get this movie done. Why is Bad Boys 2 a two and a half hour movie? There's no excuse for that. Take out one of the many action scenes, which I'm sure was greatly choreographed and exciting and awesome, cut it out, and now you've got a two hour movie and it works. While I kind of like that movie, it by the time it was getting to the end, if you find yourself in the theater glancing down at your watch, this is going on for a long long time that's a mistake right there that's a failure on the part of the movie if you're still in the movie and all of a sudden the credits come up and it almost surprises you well done that's a job well done if you stay in the mindset you've got this thing won yeah and you know tie this into a current event right now here's an example of where this works or doesn't work uh blade runner the sequel is out right now getting fantastic reviews and it's not doing well at the box office it's almost three hours long it's getting great reviews, but no one is seeing it. Why not? The original Blade Runner, when it came out in the early 80s, did not do amazingly really well at the box office either. Despite its pedigree, Harrison Ford was on his way up as an actor. He had done Star Wars, uh, was yet, I think at that point, yet to do Indiana Jones. Uh, really, Scott clearly had a name for himself. It is beautifully shot. It changed the way of a lot of sci-fi movies were done. Uh, it changed a lot of things, but it wasn't a huge hit at the time. It came out, it was after the fact that it kind of built this following so they're thinking, well, let's do it again. Let's give them what they want. Let's answer some questions. And it's kind of following the same template as the first one. People aren't going to see it. It's getting great reviews. Maybe it'll be one of those things where five years down the road, ten years down the road, it'll become like another Shawshank Redemption, a movie that did not get seen very well when it first came out. It was after the fact that it got in. Right. So why is it that this great, great movie that is epic in length, why aren't people seeing it? You can't say that it's just because of the lack of the, the great runtime. Because you put out another Lord of the Rings movie that's called a four-hour movie, let's say, People are going to go see it. So it ultimately comes down to do people want to see this or do they not want to see this? They might learn to appreciate it, but I don't know if it's worth the $7, 8 $10 ticket price to go and appreciate it. I'll wait till it's on DVD. Coherency continues to be a big crux of the issue here when it comes to does this work for run length or does it not? It's got to be coherent. And it really does need to start there because – 
it's been said of some of these longer movies, you know, I wouldn't change a thing as far as the the runtime of this. Like for me, I can sit through Lawrence of Arabia and my word, it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And I love the pacing of it and I love the way it, it plots out the story so well in the manner that it does. And I wouldn't cut a bit of it because it all adds to the story extremely well. But then there are other movies that go, yeah, that it could have been trimmed up a little bit more or it fell flat in some ways here and there. Um, depending on the length of the movie, like the Hunger Games, for instance, 142 minutes. Yeah, there probably could have been some things that got trimmed up in there to help tighten it up a little bit and help it out a little bit because then it just breeded on a large sequel and then two sequels off of one book kind of thing. I mean, we discussed The Hobbit when we talked about our Fix-It one and how I would have made it two films instead I mean, there you're cutting it down in maybe two longer movies, but it's better there than doing three movies over uh, spread out over time well, for one book, which is already quite a bit. Some of it comes, and I don't mean on an individual movie, because once you pay your ticket, it doesn't matter if it's a 90-minute movie or a three-minute movie it's or a three-hour movie. You're, you've paid your tickets to get in. It's when they really start to stretch things out, when it's the last Harry Potter book spread over two movies. That's dumb. You know, just get it done. Trim something if you need to. Right. But just do it. Make it a long-ish movie if you need to. Get everything wrapped up. Fine. But what is the business about? Let's finish this giant epic thing with a part one, part two of the last episode. You know, Hunger Games did it. Harry Potter did it. Um, uh, Twilight did it. It's Enough the trend of this. these days. Well, yeah. it's, what it is is let's try to stretch it into something else. Let's turn The Hobbit, one book, into three movies. You could have done two easy. You know, so at that point, you're talking about greed. You, and you're also talking about can this be done in the course of one movie? Yes, it certainly can. And it sure no exceptions. In, and it feeds into the sequel type of nature of Hollywood these days, too. Well, it's another ticket yeah. they can sell when instead, let's make, rather than make these subpar movies, where we're going to do a part one and a part two of one book if you're going to do an adaption. Let's just do it right the first time, get it done and get it out, because when the next thing comes through and they do the last chapter, part one, no, 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 no. Let's get this thing done. Does it feel to you, Dave, though, actually, first, one other question before I want to get into the maybe the big closing question here. Does it feel to you that movie runtimes of these lengths justify the ticket? that we are paying as consumers to go to the theaters? Do you think that that gives more incentive for people to go to the theaters? That if there is going to be the ticket that we get these days to go to the movie theater, which continues to increase a little bit more at a time, is a longer movie maybe what we should be expecting to get in return? Do you think that 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 factors in at all? Because that could be a, a kind of a pushback on this whole topic of movies feel too long these days. In a word, no. Type up while I'm talking, what's the run time for Dunkirk? Because that was up there a little bit. I've got it right I'm in sure front of me. I'm sure you do. I was planning to get into this for the next question. 106 minutes. Okay, see so that's... very, very slim, tidy, 106 minutes. No, one of Nolan's shortest movies yeah. he's done in a long time. And what kind of movie is it? It's a Spe- war epic. And it's spectacular. Yeah. yeah. 
You know, and this is one of those movies where you talk about, well, I'll just see it on DVD. Do yourself a, well, at this point it's too late because it's out of theaters now, but see it on the big screen when something like this comes up because some movies, and we've talked about this before too, some movies are to be consumed and others to be savored. Yes. You know, Dunkirk, as far as war movies go, are like Saving Private Ryan. It's a fine wine with great cuisine, to use a food metaphor. It's not the same on a small DVD. Certainly, it's a crime. It should be slapped if you're watching this on an iPhone because you're just not seeing anything. But to see the scope of this thing, not just the story, but the picture on a big, giant screen, IMAX, if you can do it, is to be seen and experienced. So if you're going to go get a Mick movie, you go right ahead and watch it on your iPhone. But if you want the real deal, Christopher Nolan is delivering them left, right, and center, and others too, um, like Dunkirk, the most recent example. You're doing a disservice by not seeing it on the big screen. Right. So to answer your question, no, I don't think we need excessively long movies to justify the ticket price. What we need is good entertainment to justify the ticket price. Dunkirk is a Perfect example. Name me one war epic that's not Dunkirk that is two hours or less. Everything glorious close to three hours long. Saving Private Ryan, two and a half hours. They're all awesome movies, and maybe they deserve to be on the long side, but they don't require to be on the long side. Dave, that is a very pleasing answer to hear. Sure is. Take the quality rather than the quantity of the time, and then... Attach that to the ticket price. Absolutely, I, I agree. Give me a compliment. I agree a hundred percent on that. So, so let's round it off now with with this question that I had regarding Dunkirk, for instance. But also, we could go back to Thor Ragnarok, which looks like about a two hour runtime that okay. is is checking in around. Are we seeing the cycle reverting back around? Do you feel that maybe these movie producers and these studios are looking and saying? We need to slim down a little bit more as much as possible in order to improve our quality and bring people back to the box office because it does revolve back to to quality of these movies and that larger puzzle that we are piecing together here of why aren't people going to the movies in the same way anymore. This is just another piece of it, although it's its own topic of discussion even separate from that, but – do you feel that we are coming back around on the cycle here a little bit? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know if I have the answer to that. It might be too soon to tell, but especially with Dunkirk and its runtime and seeing the Thor Ragnarok time as well as what you were saying about Justice League, it, it's looking like that might be changing here a little bit. I'll put it to you this way. For one, DC needs to make up some good ground. Now, Wonder Woman was an excellent step in that direction. But leading up to that, you had Batman Superman, horrible movie. Uh, even though Wonder Woman was in it, she was probably the best thing of that movie, and she's barely in it. Um, so maybe they need to do some justice here, no pun intended. So they're going to shorten the movie and kind of trim it up and really make it happen. Plus, you got Joss Whedon that's in there, how much control he'll have over what Zack Snyder was doing. Remains to be seen. I'm sure once the movie's out, things will come out. So we'll hold off that talk for until a later day when we know more. But let me, this would be a weird metaphor, but let me put it to you like this. Let me answer this with pro wrestling. Pro wrestling would give you the TV. And I used to be a big wrestling fan. I'm not anymore. I wish I was, but I'm just not. I don't like what they do. But the way that it works is we're going to show you the weekly TV show to get you interested in where stories are going. And you lead up to the big monthly pay-per-view. And then there's the big one at the end of the year with WrestleMania. And that's where all the storylines come to an end. Those That's what everything's building toward. And that's you got to pay to see. 
So you get movies like Thor that keep you interested in the characters, you're enjoying it, but you know that it's building up to Infinity War. And that's kind of the way that these giant universe things have been happening. You get smaller things that lead up to the culmination of Phase 1 of the Marvel thing. And then you get the smaller Ant-Man and Iron Man 3 and blah, 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 leading up to the Avengers. And That's that's all that this is. It's keeping you interested in what's going on. It's not going to overbloat it so that when Infinity War comes, I don't know, guys, that last one was four hours long we had you know we had a child that grew up and graduated high school before the co- the credits ran <laughs> you know so when it does come you're interested you've been seeing the small pieces of what's been coming and that's been leading to something yeah i got to see where this is going to go that's why you buy the wrestling pay-per-view because you got to see what's happening that's why you're going to spend the ten dollar ticket and another 15 at the snack bar just to see what's going to happen with everybody so when infinity war comes you have an audience Rather than burn them out on these small road trip movies, they're fun. They're excited. They're enticing. That was a good. Well, they're going to make another one. Well, we're going to go see yeah. that one too. That's I think the best way that I can equate it. Captain America: Civil War was kind of like that, about two and a half hours long, and that's. But it's it was kind like of a stop along the way. It was like Avengers two point five. Yeah, everybody was in it. You yep. know, so it wasn't a. It wasn't an in between. It was an in between cornerstone if you want to use that term. It was. So I don't know if it's, I believe in the cyclical thing, but I don't know if it's a conscious stream of Hollywood to do it. Um, I think some people are becoming more aware of editing techniques and realize that we got to shorten these things up and made them interesting. Unlike us in the show, which continues to drag out, uh, I think that's really what it comes down to. I think more and more directors are becoming aware of it or seem like they are becoming aware of it. But is it a trend? It might be too soon to tell. How important could that be toward maybe helping improve things at the box office? That's hard to tell, too. It does come back to that larger topic of quality, though. Can these studios, can these movie producers, can these directors continue to do better to bring quality movies to the screen or bring their ideas in a quality manner to the screen? Even even some of these just slapstick goofy movies that you get these days or these these remake type movies that you get these days they could probably even be slimmed down a little bit more to help with their quality quality and length of movie oftentimes do piece together sometimes you need a longer movie in order to really tell your story but if it if it does not need a long runtime in order to be good don't make it long just just give it what it is Make it a nice, tidy, even 90 to 100 minute type of movie if that's what will make it work really well and pace really well and ultimately be a solid either drama type movie or maybe something a little bit looser and funnier. But I think that's where a lot of these movies these days need to start is don't just focus on meeting a threshold of runtime. Think about what's the quality of what we're doing. Heck, that could be something for us with this podcast. I'm sure there are people thinking right now. When are well, they you know, wrap it up? these guys they're just rambling on and on about this stuff. They could tighten things up maybe a little bit. But but it's it's a really good thought no matter what degree you look at it from. Yeah. Um, there's not really anybody that's immune to this, even Steven Spielberg. Spielberg could read from a phone book, and I'd spend money to go see it because he'll make it interesting. But even his most recent movie, The BFG, eh, needed to be shortened up. It was too epic. He didn't have much to say. But then you watch something like Bridge of Spies 
Great movie. He's got another one that's coming out here that looks really interesting. It'll be out in December called The Post about the Pentagon Papers. Uh, way too early to know about runtime, but it sounds extremely interesting. I'd like to see it. I hope it's not a three-hour movie, but it was interesting. It could be. Um, you know, clearly he can shorten things up. Munich, great movie, way too long. Um, so there's not anybody that's immune to this. And if Judd Apatow can get the memo that we love your work, man, you are a funny man. I love everything about you, except the run times. That would be awesome. Something to keep an eye on, I would say, as the movies continue to come out at the end of this year. I'm really curious what the Star Wars Last Jedi runtime is going to be, for instance. So I'd be willing to bet it'll be a longer one because it's the linchpin. Yeah. It's the middle of the trilogy, of this new trilogy. I'll bet you it'll be north of two hours. Something to keep an eye on, though. Where's the trend going? Where's the cycle going? And where does the quality go in relation to it as well with these movies that we see? So thank you for joining us today for Rick and Nick Talk Flicks, sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. Make sure you stop on by and catch a film there. I know we'll be going there. Where even if the movie runtime is long, your butt will stay comfy in those lovely theater seats they have. With the wonderful popcorn and drinks that they have, too. And minimal jujubes stuck to the floor. Correct. Yes. <laughs> it used to be I you'd get out of a don't. theater and your shoes would go... <laughs> with all the sticky floor. That's right. Not at Bemidji Theaters, by gosh. You really do need to cut an ad for them or something, <laughs> I feel like. Isn't I, that what this is? I suppose it kind of is. Sometimes. Yes. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. Thank you for joining us today. Hopefully we didn't run you too long, and we'll see you at the movies.